It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. The Discover Winter event is on now, and they're blowing out the remaining 2023 GMCs. Discounts up to $8,000 plus 0% financing. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. We've got a busy hour. We have to flog Declan. We'll be talking to Tyler Yarmtruck later on this hour. And Steve Lansky joins us now uh, to talk. Well, let's start here since it has blown up our text line. Uh, our young Declan friend here named his top five NHL players. And Leon is at six, which is not one through five. Uh, Steve, would you care to comment? Yeah, first I need you to tell me who the five are real fast because I was enjoying the coffee in downtown Bonneville. So okay, away. well, there you go. You're in the you're, you're in beautiful city. So it was McDavid, McKinnon, uh, Kucherov, Makar, Matthews. Yeah. I, who does, so who does, he, who does he supplant in that top five? Well, that's the thing, right? Well, the, the, you can't. I think the I think the top four are the top four, and I think it's between Matthews and Drysaitel. And I mean, Matthews is having a hell of a year. So I'm. I mean, I. I think it's a tough. I. I mean, I think anybody who who has this difficulty, Leon could be five, but but Matthews five is not is not ludicrous. It's not ludicrous, but I would say this. Who's done more with the team they're on? I would say Leon has. Who's more predictable? I would say Leon is. Who's got more around him? I would say Matthews does. So I I think if I had to write a university paper, which I don't think you write university papers in this subject, but if I did, I could make the case reasonably strongly for Leon being ahead of Matthews. I think I think that's but I do think for me anyway uh, my list goes McDavid, McKinnon, McCarr and then I get shades of gray. I don't dispute that. But if we're talking about two of the three of the same guys being on the same team, shouldn't that team be a little more dominant than it is? Maybe we're maybe I mean no. maybe we're mis maybe we're misreading Nathan McKinnon a bit. I don't think we're misreading Kale McCarr, no. but I, I, I don't, I'm not I'm not completely That's a great point. sold. I'm not completely sold on Nathan McKinnon. I'm not I'm not going to lie. There's numbers, and I realize there's a Stanley Cup, but I'm I'm not completely sold on Nathan McKinnon. If you've got him and Leon in a line, and I got to choose one, and I don't know who's older than whom. I assume Leon's a little younger than he is, but I don't have that in front of me. So you're going to blow up our text line the other way. Good Lord, people. Good. Could we just, you know, um, the thing about Matthews. I don't Matthew- care what they write. Just write it. <laughs> the thing about Matthews is, um, now that's a guy who's played on a team that hasn't really won Jack Doodley, you know, in his time. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. You know, and he's, uh, you could, you could really, really argue easily that Matthews has had a lot more around him than Leon has. I, I don't think that would be a hard argument to make at all. Yeah. It's, mm, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I, I, I will probably have to spend more time on this. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we have other pressing issues. Like fifteen right. wins in a row. Like, right. I I I always try to when I start preparing for the show. I go, okay, what is 
what's the what's the live wire? What's the tender nerve? And I don't right now, fifteen wins in a row. I mean, you could make something up. Oh well, Cody Cece, or well, you know, they need a center in the middle who's right-handed. But fifteen wins, Steve. <laughs> you know what I was going to ask you? I thought of this yesterday. Is it easier to talk about what was going on at the start of the season or fifteen wins in a row? It's, it's probably what was going on at the start of the season, so right? Much, so much easier. We've had so much practice. And, and well, and it's, it, why is it easier to criticize than say, they're not, they're, they're, I can't figure out what they're doing wrong. And I'm reading the paper after last night, and oh, it was boring. Like I give a rat's rear end, whether it was boring or not. You know, <laughs> how many teams win the Stanley Cup and then, 20 years later, somebody goes, yeah, but that was a boring team. Not very many, except maybe one New Jersey Devils yeah. team. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. right? In, yeah. in about 2000, whatever that was. Plus, they had, a great, that, they had a great goaltender and really good two-way players. So they, they well, earned it. You know, they suppressed everything. Yeah, and when, I'll tell you what. When winning becomes boring, I may stop watching sports. And I, I, I you know, those three years of the NHL, whatever years they were, 2000, 2001, 2002, right around there, they weren't the most exciting. Because once you got a one-goal lead, that was the end of that. Yeah. But when, when winning and giving up one or fewer goals, 15 straight games is whatever the number is, two or fewer that's when that gets boring. We've we've got a serious we've got we've got a serious problem in Central Alberta. Yeah, no, I agree, and I I, I th- like I remember the '80s where you could. People don't believe me when I say this, but you could get tickets to the '80s waters because people they won so much. People are like, yeah, you know, I got other things to do. It got it it became less exciting because they were so good and so dominant, and that's why I always appreciated the Calgary Flames because no game in the '80s I ever saw between the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers was boring. No, and you know what used to freak me out is when I would produce an Oilers game and the stars would usually, the three stars of the game would usually be picked by Terry Jones or Dick Tube. And sometimes Wayne would have four points, but Pat Hughes would get three goals and, you know, Kevin Lowe would get three assists and Grant Fuhr would make a bunch of saves. And Wayne had four points, and Wayne wouldn't be a star. Crazy. And I always thought, oh, are we watching the same game? <laughs> and, and the argument was the same. It was like, well, you can't give him a star every time he gets four points. Well, I actually think, yes, you can. But then there's this jaded, oh, yeah, we've seen that so many times. Let's give it to Pat Hughes. He never gets three goals. Well, that's great. I get it. But aren't we picking the stars of the game, not just some guy who had a a really anomalous game for him. I never understood that. I never understood getting bored with winning, but you're right. It's a thing. Yeah, it is. And it, it, I think it affects, I know it affected Orr, and I think it affected Gretzky and it will affect McDavid in terms of awards voting. People just get tired of it. They go, God, he can't be that good. Even though they are. I never got tired of watching the Oilers win. Huge fan, obviously. But when you talk to people in Toronto, when I worked with Hockey Night, they were so sick and tired of hearing about the Oilers. And it was impossible to convince them that this actually was something we should be fetting and celebrating rather than criticizing. But I I think some fans just default into, we can't just praise things, we have to 
We have to chop them down every chance we get. And it was probably no coincidence it was coming from Toronto either. Yeah, and I, and I do think that, that, that fans of other teams get sick of, oh, my, I remember, honest to God, I remember people going, oh, my God, Gretzky again, would you stop talking about him? And But he was that good, Steve. You can't help it because he's scoring, like, 212 points or 215 points, and and we're used to like 110 being the record. It it was just it was outrageous. It was impossible. And one thing that bothers me, and it's all the perspective, but I I I've done a rough count. I think I saw Wayne play about 650 times in person, and not a single person who hears that now has anything to say other than "Oh, you lucky bugger! Yeah. You are so lucky." You saw that so many times. Well, why am I lucky now? But for some reason, we, we weren't all lucky then because we could watch him. I mean, you couldn't watch him 82 games a year, but you could watch him 60 times a year if you lived in Edmonton. And why was that, why was that an issue? But now, all of a sudden, well, now you accept that he's the greatest player in the history of hockey. Well, guess what? He was then, too. Yeah. But it required a little bit of looking to figure it out and to realize what you actually had right in front of you. I think that's a hard thing for some people to wrap their head around. Steve Lansky, our guest from Big Mouth Sports. Uh, Corey Perry at practice today was on the third line with Holloway and McLeod. Uh, Sam Gagne was the extra, fourth line, Ryan Yanmark and Connor Brown. Uh, if you're Corey Perry, do you want to come back? What if you end up playing on a team in game 16 or 17 and they lose? I guess you want to play, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think if you're Corey Perry, you want to play. Uh, I, I I struggle a bit with Corey Perry. I, I really do. He, he He's a bit to me like Nazem Kadri. I watched them both play junior hockey. They both played under Dale Hunter, um, which was a mm, unique dynamic to begin with. And I watched Corey Perry one time in a junior game. The whistle had gone, and I watched him look right at the referee. And as soon as the referee turned away, he slew-footed a guy. And I thought, wow, that's not a guy that is ever going to impress me. It's just not. Now, would that directive have been coming from his head coach? Oh, probably it would have. Yeah. But yeah. I've always looked at Corey Perry a bit, I don't know what the word is, a bit sideways with a bit of skepticism. I, my experience, Al, is people just don't change. They don't. And I'm hoping he fits in but I'm not totally comfortable with the whole scenario. That's the best way I can put it. Well, I find it, one of the things that, that I, my brain works in mysterious ways, Steve, as you know, but I, I think that Perry will come out of the lineup at times or he'll go into the lineup at times at the expense of a really good penalty killer, say Connor Brown. And Perry's the one guy, if you're going to play him, you want penalty killers who are good. I'll tell you something, man. If I've won 15 games in a row, the amount of messing I'm doing with the lineup is zero. I mean, I just, that part, I can't even get my head around. Now, let me get this straight. We won 15 games in a row, and we're going to bring in a guy with, you know, <laughs> they, let's, let's pretend they brought him and Taylor Hall to Chicago to be around Connor Bedard and provide some, some guidance. I, I don't think that's who you should be bringing in to provide some guidance, but that's just me. And now you're bringing this guy into a team that's won 15 in a row. I don't, I, I would like to break down that wisdom because I just don't see it at the moment. So final one for you, Lansky, and then we're going to let you go for the weekend. 
Yeah. Bonneville. But what, are you enjoying yourself? Is the weather nice? Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. We're going to go out and snowshoe on an unbelievably sunny lake in about eight minutes. So the, you're, you're going on the part of the lake that is no danger. Um, there's always danger when I'm out there, but it look, there's there's ice fishing huts on it. I can see it right now. Okay. Uh, my wife has just held her hands four feet apart, saying that's how thick the ice is. No, that's so, how thick your brain is. Well, I think that's... Oh, right. <laughs> that is what she meant. Yes, I know. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for clearing that up, man. I've been, I've yeah, been there. Oh, now, she's, now she's looking at me like she's kind of nodding, but not really. I think we're going to have a discussion after. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, and she's saying, I don't know him to everybody around her. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Lansky, have a great weekend. Thanks, man. All right, man. Take care. All right. Steve Lansky from uh, Bonneville. There you go, snowshoeing. See, he's out enjoying himself, and you and I are working hard. That's the TV money. You know, you get to retire earlier. You get to go to, you know, places and do stuff. I bet they're having barbecued steak tonight. Yeah, that's the life. Okay, on the way, our friend Tato Uremchuk going to ask him some different questions like, where do the autos go now? Like, they seem to have solved goaltending and... Defense is rock solid, superior to CC. I don't see it. Maybe it's forward. Where would he go? Who does he like? This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. The Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Visit them at wolfgmcbuick.com. We send out our SOS to Tata Gramchuk. He picks up the phone, and we're delighted. Joining us now from Daily Faceoff, Waters Nation. I, I, I'm looking at your avatar and I'm seeing a golf ball on a tee with Oilers Nation. What course is that? What course is that? Uh, that was where, that might have been at Cougar Creek a few years ago where we held our golf tournament. Or nice. my, No, that was this year at Noah's Golf Course. Where okay, we golf tournament. very nice. Um, okay, so you and I write and talk about the Oilers a lot. And the, today I had a piece of full scap in front of me, and I'm about to write, and I'm like, but when they've won 15 in a row, it's angles are hard to find. Uh, points of view, takes that are n- new and fresh beyond, hey, they won 15 in a row are hard. Um, I think it's easier when they're losing a lot of games. Oh, it absolutely is. We were recording one of our podcasts here at The Nation Real Life yesterday, and we were sitting there, and there were some long pauses, and we were like, we don't really have as much to talk about versus when they were bad. Like when they're bad, you're fired up. You want to talk about what changes they can make about this. And they're winning. And it's like, hey, your beers were good last night. And it's like, yeah, beers were good last night. Boy, this is fun. Yep, lots of fun. And like that's kind of the conversation. So not as not as easy, I'll say, for you and I to do our jobs, but more fun to do our jobs, Low Tide. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I, I didn't believe for a minute that that photo was true about you trying to cause the wave. I knew you would not do that. Not in a one-goal game. No. That's just, you know, you're testing the gods. Um, One of the things that I love about your writing and I love about your work on the air and I loved working with you and we talked about it is your solutions to problems. So I I think the goaltending might be solved. I think the defense, there's no real clear upgrade for CeCe. So we're probably looking at forward. Who do you like, what position, and anybody specific in mind? 
I thought you were going to say that my solutions were always just, well, they're a 10-game heater away from figuring things out. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to. I... People already know that, so I don't have to repeat yeah. it. You know, <laughs> I finally got my 10-game heater. Um, but for me, it's top six right wing. Like, even the bottom six, I know Frank was bringing up Nick Dowd to me today, and I was like, okay, uh, like he does shoot right. That's interesting. He's got one more year that's ginseng, but he's 33 and doesn't come with any offensive upside. And I looked at doing his bottom six, and it's like we're already having a conversation of like, uh, who are you taking out of the lineup for Corey Perry? So if you had another bottom six guy, it's like, ah, you know, who are you taking out of the lineup for them? Versus if you can go out and get a clear-cut top six guy, it's very easy to be like, yeah, Matias Janmark's out because we got X. So who is X? Right now, I'm not sure if there's a slam dunk fit out there, but there's one name that I'm just keeping my eye on, and I'm not going to take it off, and it's Tyler Toffoli, Low Tide. If the Mm -hmm. Devils continue to slip and they aren't in the mix, Tyler Toffoli is a UFA at the end of the season, $4.2 million cap it. If they keep 50% of it, the Oilers could probably find a way to make this thing work, or maybe you've got a third-party broker involved. But Tyler Toffoli would slide into the right wing. He's a playoff performer. He's a 35-40 to goal guy. He's a scorer. Like, there's so much to love about what the way he plays, and it's so easy to envision him as a perfect fit in the Oilers. You just need to get the Devils to a point where they're willing to sell a little bit and give him up. Well, and they, the one thing I'll say about Toffoli, and this has always been the case, he's a little bit like Zach Hyman in that he's always around the net. He has a sixth sense. He scores goals in bunches. He really is an offensive player. Like, there's no, you know, well, if he gets hot, he's he's a very productive hockey player. Yeah, um, and again, he's been productive in the regular season. He's been productive in the playoffs, on a first-line role, on a second-line role, with or without power play time. Like, he just is a goal scorer. And I think adding that into this Oilers team and slotting everybody down a little bit, like if you keep, or if you were to go back to McDavid, Hyman, and Dreisaitl, or McDavid, Hyman, and Nuge, that would be excellent. And then imagine a second line that is Dreisaitl, Kane, and Toffoli. All of a sudden, your third line is maybe McLeod, Fogle, Holloway, and then your fourth line is... Uh, Derek Ryan centering Corey Perry and Connor Brown. I know some of those guys that have to be flipped over and whatnot, but still, you start to look at a forward group, and that would probably be the best forward group in the NHL. Do you have any time, and I don't know that would have, in fact, I think it wouldn't happen, but if Elias Lindholm were, were made available to the Oilers, uh, is that a player you'd look at? I, he can play wing, but he's a center. Yeah, I think I would look at him just because, again, the lineup flexibility it would give you. All of a sudden, Ryan McLeod could be a winger full-time for you, or maybe Dylan Holloway is a winger full-time for you, and it, and it just adds another layer of scoring to this lineup, which is something I think they should be intrigued by and looking to do. Lindholm at $4.8 million, 50% retained, that'll work. I just have this thing that I don't think the Flames are going to give them to you for market value. I think the Flames will trade Lindholm to Boston or to Colorado for market value, but I think to overcome the bad PR of, ooh, we might help the Edmonton Oilers win a Stanley Cup, you're going to want the Oilers to overpay. So would you rather overpay for Elias Lindholm or pay market value for Tyler Toffoli? I think I'd rather do the Toffoli thing. How good, on a scale of 1 to 10, was that Photoshop the Oilers did with Picard saying, make it so? Yeah, that was good. I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but even I understand the reference. That was excellent. And, hey, how about the backup goalie for the Oilers having a 9.15 fade percentage low tide, like, when Crazy. they brought him up, it was like, okay, are we doing Reimer? Are we doing this? What's it going to cost to get Mackenzie Blackwood? And now I honestly think Ken Holland can kind of not fully kick his feet up, but he can sleep a lot better at night going, hey, if I don't get a goalie at the deadline, we're going to be just fine. For me, Picard is a typical Holland signing. It's a quiet signing. Like in 2022 summer, people go, yeah, whatever. You don't even see him in the first year. 
And now he's like he's played eight games, got a nine fifteen save percentage, five two win loss record, and we can I think we can say with authority. You know, there's no guarantee Reimer's any better. And you can go down the line with all of the goalies that are going to be available to Edmonton, and there's no guarantees they're not necessarily better than Picard. Also, you always say it to me, Lord, that goaltending is voodoo. It makes no sense. Go right now to NHL.com, as I am doing, and look at the save percentage leaders in the league. Alex Lyon is in the top ten. Joey Decord is a legitimate starter all of a sudden with Seattle. Charlie Lindgren, Anthony Stolarz, Alex Nedeljkovic. These are guys who are all in the top 10 of save percentage for goalies who played at least 10 games this season. The league is littered with guys like Calvin Calvin Pickard who bounce around for a while and then just for whatever reason, when they're 30 years old, just go, oh, look, I'm going to get hot. And that's exactly what Pickard's doing. So once he hits his 10th game, like he's probably going to be in the top 20 of save percentage in the NHL, and he won't be – a unique path, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The league is littered with guys like Pickard who just magically find their way at some point. So uh, I, I think Declan asked me yesterday to, to come up with a, a like another moment in time where a 15-win now winning streak you know, had that kind of impact. And I, I thought of the Flyers in 79-80. They went 35-5. and five. Different era. There were ties, all of those things. But do you have any, in any sport, because I know you're a big baseball fan and, and uh, other sports, any anything that you can reference for this fifteen win streak and a chance if they win on Saturday to to run the table in January? It's funny that you uh, asked me this because on my show today we were uh, my producer popped up this stat that was something like the Oilers' fifteen game win streak started when they were below five hundred and at least fifteen games into the season. When you look at the NHL, NBA, and MLB. The only other time that that has happened where a team has gone on a 15-game winning streak and it started when they were under 500, it was the 91 Minnesota Twins, and they went on to win the World Series tied. So I don't know what you could tell me about the 91 Minnesota Twins and if there's any parallels here, but like this is a streak that is not just rare for the Oilers, not just rare in the NHL. It's the kind of turnaround that's a rare story in all of sports. Yeah, they, they were – did they win in 80 – I can't remember. I think that was their second one. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but what I remember about those teams most of all is that they had Jack Morris and I think they had one or two other pitchers, but they, their, their fourth and fifth starters weren't fab in both years that they won. Um, but they had bats and they were all young and they were all very, very good. And Kirby Puckett's one of my all-time favorite players. So I remember that much about the Twins. Um, so final question for you, Tyler, and this is one that, that I, I've sort of thrown out all week, and I don't have an answer, but I know that there are uh, strong opinions on both sides. I know Ken Holland's made a lot of mistakes, and I know he's made a lot of good moves. I don't know how much credit should be applied to this team, no matter what happens. Uh, three series wins have occurred under his watch in five years, uh, two in a row, and then they had one last year. Uh, how much credit do you think Ken Holland deserves for this team, and does it overwhelm the mistakes that were made during his tenure? Man, that's a good question. I I think so. I think generally, I'm not saying he's a top five, top ten GM, but I think he's been a GM who's given them more positives than negatives. Like, to me, Zach Hyman has wildly outproduced his contract. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has wildly outproduced his contract. Bringing in Evander Kane was a great move, even if you could argue the subsequent extension wasn't great. 
5.1 million for a guy who scores you 30 goals, albeit inconsistently gets to the 30 goal mark. That's honestly okay. Look at the blue line, Matthias Ekholm. That was a fantastic trade. You can point to mistakes. Some people don't love Cody Ceci, but at the end of the day, they got a guy playing first pairing, making 3.2 million bucks, and they're winning, and they're winning playoff rounds with that. So, again, I don't love Cody Ceci, but you can't deny he's outperformed that contract. The move to get Brett Kulak was a very, very good move. Signing Stuart Skinner for $2.6 million was a very, very good move. He has his warts. He's made his mistakes. But you can also point to a lot of clear-cut victories here. And people will say, well, they don't draft. Well, they don't do this. They're in win-now mode. They've been picking in the late 20s. And, yeah, I agree. They haven't drafted well under Ken Holland. But I'll take a team that's won three playoff rounds over a team that's going to draft well like they did under Shirelli. Second final question for you. When you saw the photograph uh, uh, directed at Oilers Nation, uh, from Martin London in in uh, Sweden with uh, he and Oscar Kleppbaum. Did you think he could play right now? I can't allow myself to have that thought enter my brain because it just makes me <laughs> sad that they lost this guy in the prime of his career, man. That would, can you imagine him on the left oh side of the blue line right now? Oh, man. Well, I, they wouldn't have drafted Broberg. I'm pretty convinced, convinced of that. Uh, what's oh, coming no, up? They would have drafted Caulfield. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, so what's coming up for you? Are you busy? Are you relaxed? Are you going to the All-Star game? I am going to the All-Star game. I'll be out there with the Nation crew next week. So excited to do that. Do some live shows from Toronto. Also a little bit excited for this uh, bye week here and some downtime. So it should be a good seven days for, for me, Todd. Man, you know, I swear to God, I like you're starting off and it's like, you know, it started, it was like, you know, Frank's invited me. You know, he's kind of taken me under his wing. Pretty soon it's going to be like I, I invited Frank to this party. I feel like <laughs> that at some point in time, the power base is going to change. I mean, maybe, but don't tell Frank that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Have a great weekend, man. See you, Dad. Okay, there you go. Tyler Uramchuk from Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff. That's a pretty sweet gig he got, but he deserves it. He earned it. All right. Um, we've done everything, right? We've done, we don't have anything left to do. We have the NBA. We're going to talk about the NFL uh, playoffs next. Is that correct, Declan? Yeah, I think it's yeah. uh, it's best. It's the Friday before conference championship weekend. We'll give it a look. And then Monday, just so we're all on the same page, we have Rachel Dory. We have you with Mama MMA. And then we have Jason Greger on Monday. That is correct. And we can add anyone else we'd like, but uh, that's generally how we do things. Well, with Monday. you talking as much as you do now, I mean, you really have become, you well, know... The, the face and the sound of the show. I got a feeling people are going to want to be hearing a lot less of me here in the near future. You know, I have to say, I think that your take was interesting. It was provocative. It, it got the the text line humming, and some people disagreed with you, but they tend to be my age and grumpy. So I think you did pretty well with that. I think you came out unscathed. Well, you know, it obviously was an opinion piece, so we'll, well see. You know, it's Time like, will tell. It's like, you know, you... you professing your love to Billy Joel's version of Salisbury Hill. Somehow it works for you. I don't know how it happens. 135, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440.
Hey, Leduc, it's me, Grant Fedorak, and I'm excited to tell you Leading Edge is ready to make a difference in your amazing community. How do we do it? Well, at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, we invest. Our money and time goes right back into technology and training. We invest in people who combine their caring experience and hands-on skills to work with you to help solve your problems. And we invest in community because we live here, and, well, it's the right thing to do. Leading Edge Physiotherapy, now investing in Leduc, Alberta, because Leduc shouldn't hurt either. Find us at leadingedgephysio.com. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Do you know that song had two releases? Did it? Yep. And it was released in Canada and the States, and it was a huge hit in Canada. And then it was re-released in the States. It was not a hit the first time. And then it became a hit in Canada again. So if you're talking about all-time Canadian hits, that might be it. Heaven by Brian Adams. Um, this comes from Speeds, who's a, a friend going back forever. He said, I realize you guys were just kind of talking, but it would be kind of hard for Edmonton to turn down a dry saddle from a car trade if it was offered. Under contract for two extra years, notably less than dry saddle's extension would be, would leave a top 4D, a Macar nurse, and Ekholm Bouchard could move Nuge to 2C. We actually were talking about, I understand, my memory tells me, we were talking about dry saddle for Matthews. I don't think... The, the, it's a no-brainer if Drysaddle for Macar were an option, in my opinion. What do you think? I, I think Drysaddle for Macar is one without thinking twice about it. Yeah, because Macar is like, you know, he's he's a un, truly unique hockey player. Yes, and with his skating skill, I think when he's forty-three, he'll be more of an impact player than than uh, Chris Chelios was. The thing, like I, Matthews for Drysaddle, I understand if you say no. I understand if that goes either way. I get it. Uh, just because the, I worry about the injury. Yeah. Know? Well, sure. That one I understand. Dry saddle from a car, I do in a heartbeat. Yeah. I I, I think that is a like I th- I I still believe the orders are will try to sign and and if they win they will sign Leon and McDavid and they possibly will have their whole careers here. But um, I would break up that from a car, and he's probably the only guy I can think of who I would. Because, you know, even if you love a goalie out there, they're not a certain. Makar is the real deal. So, good job by Speeds there. I, I didn't think we had talked about that, so he brought it up, and it's a great a, a great point by him. Uh, all right. So, there are 99 texts that I haven't even looked at. How have you not fired Declan yet? Well, I would say, you know, with, with not being a jerk about it, not ripping on the host that the show was driven today by Declan and his declinations. That's just my opinion. If you want to talk about playoff hockey, do you think Leon Dreisaitl and Arthur Masters are in the same league? Dreisaitl has 77 points in 49 games. Matthews has 44 and 50. Well, we're, we're talk- we were talking about regular season. We were talking about the players I- involved. And they're... We agreed that it's a tough call, right? So Declan gave an hour ago, he gave his reasons for it. And they're really solid reasons. I, I, I mean, I, I, I know I would have McCarr ahead of all everybody but McKinnon and, um, McDavid. That's for me. And then I think Kucharov is underrated. One of the reasons because he's Russian. Uh, I think that Leon is a wonderful player. Matthews too. Those are great players. We're trying to squeeze six guys into five slots. The number six guy is still a ridiculous player.
LT, what about Bukestad at 4C? And bump Ryan to the wing. Bukestad, I think the number, the, the cap number is the thing. And maybe term too. Hasn't gotten a lot of mention. And his team is in a playoff race, so. Declan's a little chatty Kathy now, LOL. Have you not heard the show? I don't know if Declan had a shell, but he came out early and he kept on going. We love that about him. Kirby Puckett. Loved Kirby Puckett. I saw him live in Seattle. He threw out Dave Valley at home plate, 1987. They would have won the World Series later that year, I believe. And I was drinking beer. I had like, I probably had four beer. I was having a great time. I was having a wonderful time. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to extra innings. And I don't know why. Dick Williams got... uh he got thrown out of the game, so he didn't make a replacement at catcher at second base. Valley's the catcher. He's running home, and Kirby Puckett threw a dart to the plate. Bam! He's out. And that game was Frank Viola for the Twins starting against Mark Langston. Sweet, sweet mercy. What a game that was. I'll never forget it. It's the best live baseball game I've ever seen, and I've seen a few, but not anything close like that. Uh-oh, am I saying Kucharov wrong? I don't... I Here's the problem. When I was young, everybody was Harlamov. It was the first right. syllable. And then it went different, and now I just pumped the second one. Kucharov, I say. <laughs> so Gachev. And then people get mad at me. I don't care anymore because... You you changed me off of Harlamov, and now I'm on. I'm rogue, baby. I'm out there, and I've got no fear. I'm just saying, it's it's everybody's fault for changing in midterm. It's like Celsius and Fahrenheit. Somebody said to me the other day, "What's your what's your setting at for the heat in your house?" I said seventy two. <laughs> And they're like, can't you get on Celsius? And I'm like, it's 22, I think, but I'm not sure. I got it at 72 because I know what 72 means in my brain parts. And that I, I'm sorry, I was in like grade 10, I think, when they changed it over. And it would have been easier if America could have caught on at all. Jimmy Carter wasn't wrong about the idea. He was wrong about how quickly Americans can pick up on things that are not what they're used to. No disrespect to our American friends, but that was not a high hurdle. And don't even ask me why I haven't converted either. But I will say that when I go to the States, I know the miles per hour and the temperature. Are we done? Like, did we do everything? I mean, listen, I think we've covered everything we need to cover. We could get into the NFL a little oh, right. bit more we if you wanted to. Thank you. Okay. No. you got to keep me on board now. By Friday afternoon at one forty-five, Low Tide's brain is already at the bar. Yeah, you asked to leave during the break. I did not. I said, I'm leaving in what I'm doing. No, you but asked. I did not ask. And I, I said I, no. If I, if I tell you, what do I leave? I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm just, I'm hitting the hole. Yeah, that's probably I'm like, actually. I'm like Earl Campbell. Oh, great reference. Houston Oiler reference. Yeah, he was great. Earl Campbell used to get the ball 45 times a game. Oh, my goodness. Did he ever? OA bum fellows would just go, why why wouldn't I run Earl Campbell? Have you seen him? And he was right. Earl Campbell. I remember reading a book on Earl Campbell when I was a kid, and it was like an auto. It was like a biography of Earl Campbell, but it was directed towards kids, and it was it was a really good read when I was like eight years old or whatever it was. But yeah, he was a workhorse. You want to talk about the original workhorse in the NFL? 
I mean, he's one of them for sure. John Riggins was. John Riggins yep. was drafted by the Jets, and they couldn't use him because they were stupid. And then he went to Washington. Uh, Cam from Otwell, I will read your text, but first we want to talk NFL. You want to start AFC or NFC? Let's start. Uh, let's start the AFC. Okay. You want us to go with the weaker division? You know. <laughs> well, I'll th- I'll throw it to you first. Okay. What are your thoughts on the uh, the matter? Well, I. I there's wants and needs, right? Yes. Like I, I will say to you that I really want the Chiefs to win because I don't want the jack-o'-lanterns who are going to say, see, I told you, Taylor Swift gets involved and this is what happens. So I want the Chiefs to win. I think a better game in the Super Bowl would be the Ravens, just JMO, because the 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 Chiefs have some holes and in spots where great teams don't have holes. Mm-hmm. So... I think the Ravens will be the better test in the Super Bowl. So I'll pick the Ravens to win. Okay. I like where you're coming from. Yeah, I think the Ravens are a more complete team. Kansas City's defense this year has been very good. It's actually been a, been a shining point for this yeah. Chiefs team. We know about the lack of weapons in the receiving core. I've talked about Isaiah Pacheco. He's a nice young running back, but he kind of is what he is. He's not a transcendent running back. I The Ravens, man, everything might be clicking for them. I mean, we saw them turn back... San Francisco and Miami near the end of the regular season and back-to-back weeks, two very good teams. I just think they're kind of encroaching that team of destiny kind of territory. And I think Lamar Jackson is, like I said, I think he's the second-best quarterback in football now. It's going to be a heck of a battle. I do like the Ravens to win it. I think I think this one will be low scoring that explodes late and ends up with a higher score that then then is okay, kind of so not 17 14 but maybe 27 24 yeah like 28 like 31 somewhere in there so a good amount of points but i, I do think it's just maybe a fatigue thing on the defensive side of the ball i like the ravens to win i think okay. they're clicking i like the ravens okay and then and the nfc i i was on i i admit i i was on the 49ers train mm-hmm. but then you've got off well because of zach Ertz. yeah and I look, I'm going down gambling with my guy. He I will I will love him forever. It's like if if Fletcher Cox signed with like mm-hmm. the Chiefs, I'd be all over that. But I I, I think the Lions are going to come up short, but I, I'm picking them. I just don't think they have the secondary. I, I, you know, you look at like a receiving core with also with the addition of George Killer tight end that uh, San Francisco has. He's pretty good, I hear. He is very, you know what the funny thing is? With Mark Andrews returning to the Ravens, George Kittle, who for years and years and years was the second best tight end in the NFL, maybe even first, depending on who you ask, he might be the fourth best tight end left in the, uh, in the matchups now. Isn't that incredible? But I just think the way Kyle Shanahan schemes those guys up, Detroit just doesn't have the secondary to handle it. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, generally he lines up on the left side, so I don't think he'd get too much of Trent Williams. I still expect him to struggle to get to the quarterback a little bit more than he's used to. But like I said, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. That secondary just isn't good enough. I like San Francisco to win it. Of course, I think it's going to be a close game. It's conference championship football. But I do think San Francisco is a better team. So we'll redo this uh, two weekends from now. Yes. So if it is, I'll take your your advice and go San Francisco versus Baltimore. That's what I'm rolling with. How close will that game be? Three points. Wow. Yeah, three-point game. 34-31, Baltimore wins the Super Bowl. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so San Francisco will have been, like, to the dance, but not one since Steve Young. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's, I think that's a fair representation of the team. They're good, man. Like, they're but a good football team. they've had coaches and great teams Heart, and great yeah. quarterbacks and great stories, and they haven't won since Steve Young. 
They're right there. They're right there. But yeah, I gotta. I knew they were going to be. I knew the if the Eagles were in this game, it wouldn't make any difference. They, mm-hmm. the Eagles got what they got. Yes, and, and they were. You know, they 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 were through like week eleven or twelve. They were fine. Yes, and then they just got followed. old, man. I'll say this: the four best teams are there. Yeah, you'll see sometimes where you know matchups don't go your way, calls don't go your way, whatever, whatever happens, happens. These are the four best teams in the National Football League. The four best teams are there. Yeah. And then the the draft is going to be weird because of Chicago. Oh, there that's it's done. They're, Caleb Williams, welcome to the Chicago Bears. It's like, but Chicago will screw it up. Three years from now, Taylor Williams will be traded to wherever Hoodie is, and that'll be where he becomes a Hall of Fame guy. Mm, I don't. I it's. I think it's going to be like Chicago. They mess everything up. They do nothing right. It's going to be really hard to mess up Caleb Williams. Man, I hope so because. They're fun. When Chicago's good, it's fun. It really is. They're, that whole division needs somebody. Oh boy. I'm going to get Packer Nation mad at me, but they need some, because the Vikings are always like in the photo, but never doing anything. Right. And the Lions, good Lord, whatever's happening this year. I hope it's an, not an anomaly, but the Bears being strong, I think is good for that division and good for football. That's my opinion. All right. So we had a good show today. You and I were both yawning and kind of, out of it and look at us we kicked some royal ass here we started a little tired i think we both ad- both admitted that in the pre-show prep we said but we i were had a little slept bit tired. well you started yawning and you made me tired so are you kind of are you trying to sabotage the old guy no i would never why i would never you, you know what it really picked up about an hour and 10 minutes ago that's when we really started flying the energy got high and then we had our guests come on after that steve what and tyler about my first segment i i rocked that thing well ty that goes without saying oh like, we don't God. even have to address that because well, we you already did a know. great job we you already really did know. Well, thank you you made the show today i admit that well i hope to be back monday i mean i gave a good effort i did my best <sighs> you know times change Things go away, replaced by new things. Should never have let Declan crack a mic. It was a mistake. I know it now. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in. Jason Greger is next. When we talk Monday, the Edmonton Oilers will have won January. Thanks for tuning in.